What was that a sip of? Um, just a bit of bottled water. Bad for the environment, but... Also bad for you. Full of particles of plastic. Hydrated. Right, should we, uh, should we get cracking? Should we get crack on? Yep, I'm going to set the timer going now. No! Hi, I'm Ian, he's Ollie. Hi. We're both guys and we're chatting about remade films. It's the Guys on Film podcast. Can I get a remake? <laughs> okay, that was good. Yeah. It's like Craig David. Yeah. Have you been listening to about Craig David recently? No. Um, <laughs> Big sigh no. there. Shame. What's your favourite Craig David song? Um, it's that one with Avenged Sevenfold. Oh, no, Kill Switch. Craig Switch Engage or whatever it's called, yeah. Oh, yeah. Craig yeah, Switch Engage. Yeah. Craig Switch Engage, yeah. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. In so, a way, uh, they've remade that song with their, their backing track. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So uh, on this week's show, it's remakes. Yeah. For a big Have deep dive. Have we done dive. this one before? Yeah, we just thought we'd do it again, but do it better. Yeah, okay. And make more money from it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because mm. the um, original had subtitles. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. We did the original in Norwegian, so... Yeah. Um, okay. So we've actually had some like anticipatory chat from people about uh, remakes this week. So on Twitter, we had Tommy Gunnar saying... He preferred the US version of The Ring. Wow. The 2003 version of uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. And that most remakes he likes. I've never bothered to look up the original. Um, And both of those films that he called out scared the bejesus out of him. Um, And that the originals were corny. What? What do you reckon about that? That's fair. I prefer the originals, but I don't mind the remakes of those two. I think they're quite quite well done. Um, You're saying that because you're a hipster? No. I like I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I like the vibe and the feel of it. Uh, of the original, underst- yeah, I can understand why you might find it a bit dated. The Ring, the original Japanese version. I, I mean, if someone would have phoned me the moment that film would have ended, I'd have I'd have had to have like destroyed the phone. Have that it really it really sh- got got me. Uh, it Did it scare the me Jesus the out of you as well? Yeah, I renounced Jesus the moment I. Uh, finish watching it um the the one thing about the american remake of the ring is is that it all builds up to this reveal of um sadako uh neil sadako um comes out the tv and in the japanese version somebody coming out of your sudoku (laughs) (laughs) a sudoku puzzle is coming out the tv towards you um but it's it's supposed to be the thing that you see before you die causes you to die through fear of how brutally scary it is. And in the Japanese one, it was like the fingernails went back and the and the eye was, was sort of kind of... It looked like it had been glued open a little bit, so it was sort of drooping and it looked a bit weird and the movement was all funny. And it was quite lo-fi. And that's uh-huh. what I thought really sold the effect because it was really lo-fi. But in the American version... It was all fancy. Do you know what I mean? It was very fancy. It cost a lot of money, but yeah. I think for a less creepy end result. <laughs> for a okay. creepy ending. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go to a massage parlour and ask for a creepy ending. How much does a creepy ending cost up Leicester? I don't know. Uh, yeah, so that, that, I mean, I think it's fair. I, I've not got anything inherently wrong with uh, remakes. Okay, so the one other comment uh, we had from ex-friend of the podcast, as I'll refer to him now, Peter what? Kaker. <laughs> well, I think he's, still... he's still my friend. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't—he isn't friendly with this podcast anymore. Mm. Actually, no, he has contributed. That's why I bring him up. So he's a friend of the podcast still. Um, he says on the remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, censorship almost right from the off here, says it, says it was dog shit and he preferred it with Gene Wilder. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, and that he and this hasn't was P- seen this was Peter Cater. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that actually suggests he's seen another film besides Jungle okay. Book, but he hasn't seen the Jungle Book remake. Okay, and he probably won't go see to uh, go to see the other Jungle Book remake that is in the works now. <sighs> number three, no, big number three. <laughs> so, um, yeah. talking of reusing intellectual property to make fast money, 
what's inside you want today, Ollie? <laughs> ah, uh, so it's it's our chat about Ready Player One. So we've both seen it, and we're both going to discuss it. And you're not going to believe what my opinion is. I'm pretty sure I can. (laughs) (laughs) How how far outside the realms of believability do you think it's really going to be? I liked it. Oh, no, I didn't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's one of those two. So uh, if you want to find out, you have to wait about three minutes. Okay, Uh, cool. So that's that's Seggy 1. We're going to do Ready Player 1 in Seggy 1. First... Ready Seggy 1. Ready Seggy 1. First... We want to give a little bit of uh, information about Dark Matter films. So we recently mentioned, like so on last week's podcast, we mentioned that they are kicking off their Indiegogo Kickstarter campaign for their film. And they have asked us to kind of um, let people know about it. Because if they'd listened to the interview that we did with the guys before, people might be interested to see how that goes. And some of the stuff that you can see on their Kickstarter, they kind of offer the opportunity to go um, and be a part of filming it. So it's not just kind of money going towards funding kit or crew or all that sort of stuff. You can get cool things from taking part as well. Um, And it's obviously kind of tiered based on how much you're willing to contribute, but some of them allow you to be an extra, stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, so if people want to go and do that they can go to Indiegogo and just search for Off Grid which is the name of the film that they're making it now has uh, James Cosmo in it who was in Game of Thrones and I believe yeah. he's an MBE okay which is pretty cool um, and he's from Massive, Scotland massively which is... brilliant entertainer yeah, so if, if people want to do that, they should go to Indiegogo.com and then search for Off Grid. But if they want to make it easier, they may as well just go find the guys on Twitter um, and search for at Dark Matter Films and they can follow them there. And that's the way to do it. And, and you know what? A lot of people are going to be coming into this episode going, oh, there's nothing original these days. It's all remakes. It's all sequels. It's all reboots. It's all Batman origin stories and... Uh, you know what have you and and films about it's, it's all batman origin stories <laughs> yeah and and films about just remembering things well here's your chance to put your money where your mouth is and f- help fund something which isn't a remake isn't a sequel and hasn't got batman in it so you know pay up <laughs> quite quite strong there ollie yeah i thought um, I'd play the good cop uh, bad cop vibe. Shall we move on to Seggy One? Okay. Guys on Bill. Yeah, but guys, we're talking about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. You know what guys talk about Bill. It's the Guys on Bill podcast for real. So, my original intention about uh, talking about Ready Player One after the fiasco that was Ian talking about. Star Wars The Force Awakens which thought, by the way was shite I think it's great and it's out on DVD soon it's out on video as well <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah no, I, I'm, you know I, I think it's fine uh, but let's let's not go there so I had a real problem editing that particular Seggy one because Ian just went on and on and on oh uh, the time it'll take you to explain all this we could have been done with this <laughs> what 30 seconds uh, so to try and alleviate that I've suggested to Ian uh, that we do too bad too good and that's two things we enjoyed and two things we didn't but Ian doesn't want to do that so we're going to go uh, we're going to have some kind of weird halfway house So I'm going to uh, try I'm going to try okay so Ian what do you, you want to start. go with alright okay <laughs> Okay. My my first my first good thing. So we all know about Ready Player One. Do we want to do the official synopsis just so people know? I'll, yeah, I'll type so. Ready Player One. So it's a Steven Spielberg film. You know who Steven Spielberg is, everybody, right? Bing, bing, bing. Well, not done. really. Why don't you tell us? <sighs> we'll have to do a, a deep dive on him at some point. So pff, I don't know. Uh, anyway, Wait. so <laughs> so jump forward to that deep dive and then come back once you know who he is. Okay, so here's the official synopsis for Ready Player One. The official synopsis. When the creator of a virtual reality world called the Oasis dies, he releases a video in which he challenges all Oasis users to find his Easter egg which will give the finder his fortune. 
I mean, so that's that's the setup. And I think I'm going to go with a good thing first. Okay. So this is the performance of Mark Rylance. Okay. Uh, so he plays this creator, and he's very much modelled on your early bedroom developers like the you know the Oliver Twins or the Darling Twins. I guess they're twins as well or brothers. Um, you know the, these kind of. <laughs> Can bedroom... you think of any developers that weren't twins? <laughs> no, I can't. Um, so, so basically he's you know slightly nerdy he's very techy and he's been making games and he's he's kind of in it for the the making games of it all and i, I liked his performance i thought it was that was a a good performance i didn't what? even know he was in it but as soon as he he started acting i thought that's good <laughs> did that's he spend well any time on on camera not acting <laughs> well he's it was just started acting now <laughs> <laughs> it, it was very good. It was the, the the clothes, the hair, the ticks, all those kind of things. Just I thought were very well observed. It's like he'd done his research. Um, okay, I would have thought that that's he probably did a bit of method acting there. He probably made a few games or something like that just to get into it. War on this? socks, that okay. kind of thing. So yeah, Mark Rylance is my first uh, good thing that I liked about Ready Player One. So I was going to say of what particular kinds of things, but you kind of listed out ticks. Like general awkwardness, general kind of nice that, guy that awkwardness. Not a little bit of a cliche. I know developers who are quite well adjusted. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to think someone that's, you know, made this big virtual reality world for people to literally live in. You know, I, I quite I quite liked his performance anyway. What did you think to his performance? I liked it. Yeah, I think he was. He was. Um, I know that you're probably going to hate this, but I thought that the pairing of him and Simon Pegg was kind of believable. Like in in this sort of caricature world that they're in, is quite a believable yeah. pairing that they'd be a development duo. And yeah, that kind of split um, that can often happen between sort of buddies when it gets down to like money or contractual obligations and all that sort of stuff was something yeah. that's quite realistic as well. I mean, that's why um, we don't work together anymore, right? Exactly. So yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I maybe I would say like just it is a little bit of a caricature because um, there's more to developers than lack of empathy or like understanding what's going on around. Them. I did. I, well, I think he had the opposite of a, a lack of empathy. I thought he he was very empathetic. He he was just a bit. He was just a bit awkward. He was an awkward guy, but ultimately, you know, he learned a little bit too late, didn't he? That was the. Yeah. That was the crack there, Ian. If you didn't, I mean, if you didn't, have you given get that. have you given away the ending there? No. All right, so let's move ahead. Uh, here's my here's my first positive thing. Okay. I I thought the chases were very good. Wow. Okay. Um. So I was I was entertained from like the the moment any of the action sort of stuff happened. Generally, I was kind of pulled along with it, especially that big race that they have. Um, yeah. which is the first challenge of three um, to unlock yeah. these keys that then help the people find the easter egg um, so that's first do you think one that was... would make an actual good computer game um, yeah I think so it's a little bit like you remember one called Split Second where, where the environment was exploding and falling down around you it reminded me of that a lot yeah I remember that one yeah, yeah. okay so that's it's a bit cool. like that but yeah, I liked it. I would say there were maybe a couple of points where things were a little bit too frenetic, where like something being steady so you could actually get to grips with what was going on for longer than like half a second would be good. But I think overall, yeah. th- those were pretty standout. Like, I haven't seen chases that good in a film for quite a while. So okay. is, that, is that a wow? Wow! Wow. Yeah. There you go. So that's that's my first thing. Okay, shall I go with a bad thing now? Get ready, bad thing. Okay, so it's well known that if you've seen the trailer, that Chucky was in it, right? You know, Chucky, the the stabbing doll from the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That, I've I seen thought, all the Chucky films. Okay, so I mean, I'm gonna not swear this whole episode. This episode is going out uh, as <laughs> suitable for all, for all of the family, right? And this, so this was a 12A, and uh-huh. so was San Andreas. In San Andreas, there was one big swear word in it. Uh-huh. I just didn't think they needed to do the whole swear word. 
Yeah, I I didn't really get why they did that. I didn't. Either. I mean, come on, look, listen, Steve Spielberg, what are you playing at? I mean, you've got kids watching this film, right? I mean, it, would you say that in front of my children? Well, you pretty much have, right? Yeah. So I don't appreciate that effing and jeffing. Who's Jeff? I don't know. But what did you think about that? What I mean, it was a big swear. It was really obvious. It wasn't. It wasn't masked by anything. It was, you, you know, the big f bomb. Can you answer me this question first? Do you know anything about? Answer me pre- this. Answer me this, Ollie. Do you know anything about uh, sort of the background of the production and how they managed to clear the licensing for all these different IPs for one project? Like they're not all from the same. Because it's, parents it's probably because it's Steven or? Spielberg and everybody loves him. Okay, well, I, I just wonder. I just wonder whether or not there was like a sort of some kind of ultimatum saying you can have Chucky if you put a swear word in. But then I would, I would tend to think that like Spielberg would be like, "Nah, it's fine. We'll just not use him then." No one would kind of like strong arm him on that. So I just, I don't get it. I'm not sure why they did that. Yeah, um, it didn't, well, there was, didn't, there was more, didn't more make the film seem tougher or better or anything like that. It just seemed throwaway, pointless. And and like you could have you could have done the thing that they normally do in in films where you know you cut the uh, the swear off at a funny moment. Oh, yeah. f- you know. Yeah, I mean it's not that funny, but oh, I mean, you know, you get you get what I'm saying. Okay, so what was your first bad thing? My first bad thing is um, now you made a big deal before about all the stuff that people remember. Okay. What but your say, problem is the things that they didn't remember. Exactly. No, oh. no, 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 no. Not the stuff that they missed out. Not things that they didn't include as references. But the fact okay. that none of what the new stuff is is memorable enough for me. Like I left going like I didn't really care about the main character, his little gang. Mm. Or the main female character. I was just like pfft. the things that the things that they'd created themselves wasn't as iconic as throwing exactly. in. I get you. So they they've basically kind of fallen back on uh, what Stranger Things has done this summertime, which is kind of recreate the Goonies squad, the Goonies like oh, okay. squad squad of kids. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Which is like this little group of kids. They're kind of similar thing with it as well. I suppose yeah. but like that squad of like young school kids who go about and save the world essentially but like they go on a little journey together and they're all buddies but I just felt like none of them were that memorable and I, I kind of thought a little bit like um, you know that bit where the reveal is that one of the kids is actually 11 and he's been like totally smashing it in the Oasis yeah. the game yeah. world yeah like supposed to be this sort of child prodigy in the game yeah. But the funny thing is, like, as far as like child actors go, it's pretty bad. It's like, it's <laughs> so like he's, re- not, he's not slashing like, his actual vocation in life. Yeah, he was like reading the lines, really, man. It was quite bad. Hmm. Like, okay. you, usually Spielberg's like bang on when he selects like little sort of kids for these films that are okay. like iconic. He's um, had a track record of doing that well. And I just, I don't know, I just thought that stuff wasn't good enough. Um, which is why you know when I said to you oh 50-50 like overall I quite enjoyed like the ride it took me on but I didn't like the references and I didn't like too much of the new stuff in a way that would be like right I want to go back to that and watch it a bunch more times so anyway the new wasn't cool enough that's my first bad point alright so I'm going to give you my my second good point and actually it pretty much just echoes your first good one was the, the two big accent, action sequences I thought were really good. Accent, the two accent sequences. Accent sequences. Uh, but especially, well, f- I mean, Finchy from yeah. The Office, he was yeah. he was talking American, wasn't he? <laughs> so Why he are you talking a- all American? He did an accent sequence, okay? Uh, <laughs> so I actually thought that the, the final big battle thing was, was really cool as well. Um, especially when... You had all the IO, IOI guys in their like uh, VR uh, harnesses, and yeah. every time one of them would die in the game, it'd go red. Yeah. I thought it was it was really cool that the kind of patterns that were, you know, like I think a bunch of them got shot with a railgun from Quake, uh-huh. and then a line of them just died, or Iron Giant fell on a bunch of them, and then a whole of them went red. I thought those every time that happened. It could have happened more, and I still probably wouldn't have got bored of that that visual. 
Well, they used that big sort of like EMP to destroy the whole game thing, and then it sort of wiped them out like a wave. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I wouldn't have got I wouldn't have got bored of that. But yeah, I really liked that, and I liked it when uh, I mean, this is a big spoiler now. Even though I've never really seen Gundam before, yeah. When the lad like thought, right, this is a last ditch thing. I mean, this is big spoiler territory. You're gonna have to fast forward if you've not heard it or seen this film. But when Mechagodzilla was trashing stuff again, thought Mechagodzilla was great. That when your main guy said, "I choose my form as Gundam," yeah. even though I don't know who Gundam is, I've never really seen any of it. I knew it was gonna get ace, and it did. Uh, and I really liked that moment. I thought that was that was particularly good. So yeah, the the action sequences. Uh, got a thumbs up from me. So there, there's my two good ones. Mark Rylance, uh, a nice, big, involved action sequences. Okay. Okay. Um, my second good is, um, there is a moment, again, spoiler, but um, the the baddie, I can't remember the baddie's okay. name. Uh, Brian McBaddie. <laughs> Baddie McBrain. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, the moment where the baddie, whose name is Sorrento, and yeah. played by Ben Mendelsohn, when he deploys this thing that destroys the whole oasis, there is a there is a point which kind of utilizes a bit of a callback to a moment that happened earlier on, where the main character gets uh, twenty five cents a quarter, yeah. and the moment where that's revealed to be an extra life, yeah. I was like, fucking. Yes, man. <laughs> Absolute scenes, yeah. yeah yes, like, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that that was probably my favorite bit of the film. Yeah, actually, I, I, on, I think that was great. On your on your comment about the Gundam bit, there was a woman who was sitting along a seat along from me. Actually, I'd had to ask her to put her phone away three times. <laughs> <laughs> but I think through the connection of that when Gundam came on she looked over at me and she was like whoa fucking hell mate <laughs> actually really? she, she looked over and was like <laughs> yeah which was quite good um, but that's the way I felt when they pulled out the extra life which was pretty yeah good. same that was that was uh, scenes what, what was your second bad okay so there was a line in it where H uh, one of the from one steps. of the crew, H from Steps says, "You know this this girl that you're in love with all of a sudden could could be a guy, it could be fat, could be some guy called Dave from Hull." Yeah, that's I, what he was essentially saying. I didn't right? like this bit either. Interesting. Actually, uh, girlfriend of the podcast Mandy had to go to the toilet at that point, so missed that line, mm-hmm. um, but then came back. Uh, she she did actually come back as well, so that was good. Te- texting um, some avatar online in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, so basically, it was all set up for this real world person to basically be a catfish, um, you know, and not this kind of love interest. And I thought that made it really interesting. I thought this is great. This is going to be awesome. And it was still an attractive girl but she just had a very faint cock-shaped birthmark on her face. Was it um, actually cock-shaped? It was a little bit. It was a little bit cock and balls-shaped, it was. Was it? It was. A bit. <laughs> you admit that it was a little bit cock-shaped. I mean, you can edit this out, but that's from where she was getting teabagged. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a gaming term. That's fine. But yeah, so I, I thought that... <clears throat> I, Mate, I didn't think having... it was cock-shaped at all. But anyway, sorry, carry on with your point. Okay, so I just thought it was a, a bit disappointing that, you know, it was still kind of a fully functioning, fully normal-looking, a- attractive female actress person. And and I felt like they could have gone somewhere way more interesting, like maybe, you know, disability, or or it could have been like a total catfish kind of thing any of these things and they, I mean they did do that with the, the young lad you know that was like oh it's actually a young lad but yeah. but she kind of says to him you've never met me you've not seen me you've, you, I haven't got the same face I haven't got the same body all that kind of stuff and it's just like well maybe maybe the writers could have made that a bit more of a you know not a shocking reveal but a bit more of a interesting interesting reveal rather than oh yeah it's just a it's just a girl it's just a a a normal you know girl 
What would uh, you and say I thought, if it uh, were like a 93-year-old woman liking Catfish? And the rest of the action sequences had to play out with a 93-year-old lady. Yeah, exactly. So that that was my that was my second negative. Okay. Okay, so my second one was just that it was too long. You were saying Mandy went off to the toilet. I'm saying like the You went off for number three. <laughs> Not quite, but um I was tempted. Yeah. But no, it's just uh, the intro was so kind of um, a little bit ha- like the first half hour felt a bit hamfisted. Exposition and, heavy, yeah. Yeah, it was like, then this happens. And then, oh my God, this happens. And like, actually, felt myself like glossing over it. Like, my. Get me to the bloody action. Well, just that, like, I pretty much get all that. It's implied by what's happening. <laughs> okay. Like, I got that from the trailer. Don't spend the first half an hour of the film saying like, and then, and then, and then, like it's just just assume a little bit more knowledge from people, and then that way you're into it. Um, but overall, kind of felt like it was the the annoying thing is like I can it could it could have probably lost like twenty to thirty minutes I would say, um, but the last thirty or forty minutes were pretty exciting and pulled me along yeah. to kind of get me yeah. to the end and. That, that it wasn't. Say, it wasn't the end that was bad. It was just somewhere in it that could have right. d- done with losing thirty minutes. Yeah, here I've got it. Instead of three keys, they only needed two. How about that? Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, Each challenge okay. probably could have had like ten minutes less. Can I? Can I just give you the full feedback from Pete Cato on the film? Okay. He oh, said, he saw it as well. He saw it today. He texted me. He said, "Film was too long." five-eighths too long. It was the wrong mix of past and future. So take that as you will, basically. But he felt <laughs> only three-eighths of the film would have would have probably been enough. Okay. <laughs> Which is okay. significantly less than it is. Um, okay. So yeah, what was my favourite reference? Um, yeah. What was your favourite bit to remember that you went, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow, I remember. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I really had one, to be honest, mate. Well, can I give you mine? Because I'm only asking you so I can tell you mine. Yeah, classic Ollie. It was the glaive from Krull. Okay. That was that was good. Wow. That was genuinely, for me, that was, that was brilliant. The glaive from Krull. You know the bit I'm talking about, don't you? Kind of, yeah. It's like a kind of throwing star. He throws it at Mechagodzilla. And it, it kind of, thro- he, he throws it and, it and the camera follows it a bit. And it's got all these kind of knives on the end. That's from a film called Krull. Okay. Is okay, that so your favourite because you feel like not many other people know it? That's my favourite reference. Yeah. Is that yeah. just for you? That's just for me. He did it just but, for me. Uh, I'm going to edit together, basically, what you said about this film a couple of weeks ago with your most recent comment and see how you feel about that. No, look, all I'll say is I think it was a lot. it was actually a lot better than I thought it would be it had enough excitement in it I do think it was a bit too long when it finished I thought it that was that was too long but um, you know I did enjoy it there's no doubt about it I enjoyed it and I think I think that the film is going to be a million times better than the book I reckon Steven Spielberg I, I mean it's hard to say because I haven't read the book but I imagine that Steven Spielberg did the best job that he could out of the source material Okay. A lot of people that like the book are saying that he's kind of taken out some of what they liked about it. I do know for a fact that he's taken out a lot of his own stuff because he didn't want yeah. it to be like a wank fest. But um, yeah. he still had the uh, he still had the T Rex, so he didn't take it all out. No, not all of it. But I mean, uh, I'm not look, listeners. I'm not saying that the T Rex was invented by Steven Spielberg. So in a way, you are. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. Life Intermission, scores? life scores. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Live score. How are you? Live score. I'm fine. Thank you. Live score. Out of 10. Live score. Pro- probably like a, th- a four. Okay. H- how are you, Ian? I'm pretty good, actually, Ollie. Um, Overall, I thought I was going to fill up this life score with um, stuff to do with Ready Player One, but we made more of a segment out of that. Overall, I'm pretty good. It's been a long weekend. It's been the Easter weekend. 
So um, I've had a big list of stuff to do. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten through quite a lot of it. I fixed the kettle. That's one thing I did. All right. What was wrong with it? Um, well, it's it had a broken fuse. Ah. Okay. Um, so rather than buy a sixty quid kettle, I fixed that for sixty nine p. Good idea. Um, and it's a filter kettle, so now we've got filtered water coming through our boiled water, which is pretty good. I mean, boiling nice. gets rid of a lot of it, but I mean, you know, you can't you can't make you know water any worse, really, can you? So it must be doing something good. Um, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, sure. It, it, it can okay. be making the water worse. Um, I don't think, unless it's filling it with plastic. <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been up to. I've just been. I've had a pretty chilled one, mate. I've had a quiet one. I watched Christine on Thursday. Okay. Um, as we talked Did about Steven Spielberg, <laughs> good one. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really good. Uh, I liked yeah. it. I hadn't seen it when we talked about uh, Stephen um, Stephen King adaptations. Okay. And Do you like overall, the music? Oh, yeah, man. The whole film's wicked. Yeah liked it a lot the music's pretty good um, I liked the car crumpling effects they were good yeah and um, I've also been watching Mad Men since I think they've put up um, series 7 and 8 which is they're the ones I've been waiting for only 7 years but I mean <laughs> they're, okay. fi- they're finally up there online and I've been watching those as well um, okay so I've had a productive but also relaxing long weekend so yeah I'd say it's pretty good. Okay. Pretty good overall. I'd say it's probably an eight. Okay. I'm not as I'm not as elated as I was when I had my uh, teeth done last week, and I felt really good. So it's yeah. an eight or an eight point five. Nothing to worry about. Okay. How about you? I'm really good actually. I've had a great weekend. So I went away to uh, the Peak District with girlfriend of the podcast Mandy uh, okay. for for a nice long walk, which was good. Uh, then the next day we went to the Cat Cafe. Did you walk all the way to the Peak District? It was the Peak District, yeah. Well, well, did we you drove walk there. All the way there. Okay. We drove there and then walked there. So you know what I mean. Uh, then we went to Nottingham to go to the Cat Cafe. So that's a cafe where you have, you know, your standard coffee, your cakes, your sandwiches. But instead of there being no cats in there like normal cafes, this cafe had 20 cats and it was. I just left feeling so happy because it was like it was an overload of like animal cuteness that you your brain can only go one way and that's all the way to being really happy so that was that was great um, and then we went to the arcade museum in Not- Nottingham as well okay. that was really cool so we had a look at uh, a lot of old uh, retro uh, computer game stuff and some more modern uh, titles as well so that was that was really good fun and we went to Ready Player One um, you had a right I've, I've been watching a series nerd, actually nerd Ian. afternoon like yeah. ner- nerd oh. culture afternoon it has been yeah lots of did, things to remember did uh, you feel, I've been watching did you feel a series like you were inside um, Big Bang Theory never seen it never want to but I have this is the third time I've said it now but I have been watching a TV series okay what's that and this was on the recommendation of um, friend, my friend of the podcast Peter Cater <laughs> yeah so this is a Designated Survivor with uh, Kiefer Sutherland uh huh I mean it's absolute trash but <laughs> bloody love it <laughs> uh, okay. I mean it's basically if you, have you ever seen 24 Ollie can I just ask how does that differ from any of the rest of the stuff you mentioned you like well this is what's so good about it I mean it, it's just ridiculous like every episode Kiefer Sutherland is explaining the thing that he's just figured out to you almost uh-huh. directly uh-huh. Um, so there is going to be a terrorist attack within 24 hours and this is just after someone said Mr President there's going to be a terrorist attack in the next day <laughs> uh, so he, he he's, his job is basically to be the president and to also be uh, Mr. Explain it to the idiots at home, man. Uh, okay. But it, I mean, look, it's it's kind of trash, but I, I really like it. It's, it's really good. I've been binge watching it. That's, you know, I'm well up for it. And it's, it is basically like a continuation of 24. It's the same sort of 
cliffhanger at the end of every episode but it's not real time so you do know like when he's had a nap or when he's you know maybe been to the toilet or eaten or something like that so it's a bit more realistic in that in that respect and i've just been to the cinema i've took one for the team have a guess what i went to see you saw blockers i saw blockers okay i enjoyed it i thought it was good here's the bottom line most of it's the actually, stuff it's got the rock in it uh, it's got uh, <laughs> oh, yeah it doesn't, okay, doesn't have good. the rock in wrestling it. reference and I got it uh, so basically anything with the parents which is you know the three main ones you saw in the trailer is pretty solid it's always funny there was a lot of laughs in it and it you know genuinely very well written very well performed comedy from all involved mm-hmm. it gave me the laugh count whatever whatever that is the you know three or four laughs it exceeded that but anything with the kids I I thought was a bit cheesy a bit poorly written and I think we'll date it horrifically in about five six years time but saying that I thought it was good it had some good moments is that one of the lines that John Cena had he will date you horrifically in five or six years time (laughs) well it's that sort of thing no just just the you you know how like if you use anything too current or two on the nose that in a few years time it's just like oh yeah that's you know it's quite dated but overall I thought it was quite good it was a bit did have these bits at the end of the film where there was a few moral lessons to be learned and I I thought it was quite good in that respect but yeah anything with the parents very well done stuff with the kids a bit cringy uh, not so good you know I thought it was alright I don't regret seeing it Okay, well, that's a good okay. poster poster call out. I don't regret seeing this. With with all of these things in mind, you know, the cats, the walk, uh, seeing some fairly decent films, a bit of trashy TV, I'm a nine. Okay, pretty good. Wow. Um, shall we just do one other check-in on, on life scores? Somebody really important has an update um, that I've just read. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. He says, uh, so he's just undergone some heart surgery. Did you know about that? I did, yeah. Yeah, it says, it's true. I'm back. Uh, I went to sleep expecting to wake up with a small incision and woke up with a big one. But guess what? I woke up and that's something to be thankful for. Thank you to the doctors and nurses. And I'm truly filled with gratitude for all the kind messages. So we we should probably do our Arnold Schwarzenegger episode five soon. Um, yeah and well okay. done for being alive Arnold absolutely yeah um, yeah pretty good okay shall we move on to the deep dive yes did really they swallow an insight all that data I hope that information wasn't false let's just let's just rattle through it let's not hang around on any one thing too long okay do you get it one thing the thing Okay, let's go. Um, so, Ollie, we're talking yeah. about remakes. So, okay. what is a remake? A remake um, is when Hollywood has ran out of ideas and they go back to their old Here properties or from, you know, foreign films or, or other thing, and then they just film it again for more okay. money because that's all they're interested in, Ian. Money. Well. Is that what it is? I think, yeah, I suppose so. But um, just to be clear, because people talk about remakes and reboots and they kind of blur all of those things together. So remake is pretty much, it's a film that's been remade from the same source material again. So like the actual script and story and plot points that are in it are the same, but refilmed in maybe an up-to-date way or a new way or just a make They've got mobile phones and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um... As opposed to rebooting, which is kind of like taking the same source material and kind of doing something new with it. So not really telling the same story necessarily or not sticking to it, but a bit more of a sort of vague restart of the whole thing. So a remake is a, let's do this again, pretty much piece by piece. Okay. Yeah. And I would say that remakes are probably a little bit more controversial because when you kind of do anything This thing is good. Why are you doing it again? That's what people say. Yeah. The, the, the original's good. Exactly. Um, so we'll get on to some of that. Like there are what people call sacred cows that shouldn't ever be touched. Um, okay. So 
so we'll get on to what we think those are. Um, do you know what the first remake was, Ollie? Is it something like the the Magnificent Seven? Um, well, my source here. So you're talking about Seven Samurai and the Magnificent yeah. Seven. Uh-huh. So it says here oh. that the first remake was actually filmed from 1903. The Great Train Robbery was a huge okay. success. Um, Hugh who? Huge success. <laughs> Okay, Hugh Jackses. <laughs> He's got all the access he needs. <laughs> My access is huge. Sorry. Okay, move on. Uh, so, in 1904, only one year later, the okay. director Sigmund Lubin released his own uh, his own version of the film under the same name, uh, and okay. it was nearly identical to the predecessor. Um, so, it had the same. What's plot. the guy's? What's the director's name again? Sigmund Lubin. Okay. Why? Slippery customer. <laughs> He's good friends with Max Access. Huge Access. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think, regardless of swear words, this just moved into explicit. <laughs> There's nothing explicit about lube. Okay, fine. Uh, the remake uh, featured the same plot as the original um, and b- basically kind of pumped up the violence and stylized sort of production design. Um, okay. And around that time, a copyright law said that you weren't allowed to copy film reels and resell them for profit. But the problem was there was nothing uh, about copyright law at the time. So you could just pretty much sort of shot for shot steal a film and then remake it yourself. And no one could do nothing about it. So, you know, that's why that was made. Okay. Um, so it was a runaway success. Oh. Trains. Get it? Yeah. Nice. Um, okay, Let's so what, on track. What's, what's the point of a remake, Ollie? That's the next thing on my list of kind of set-up pieces here. Well, I think there's a, there's a few things. First of which... Have you just written money six times? <laughs> Money, lack of creativity. No, uh, the first thing I think would be films that have proven that they've made a lot of money in the past. They've proven to be a success like Batman, like Robocop, Total Recall, all those kind of things where they're still good films, but they've made a lot of money in the past. They carry a good name. They're sure bets. Uh, They're sure bets. Then there's things that are great concepts but they're hella old so they're things like the thing from outer space or the fly or the invisible man or invasion of the body snatchers you know stuff that stuff that may be a cult classic but you know probably needs updating needs a facelift okay and then there's a another type which is subtitles so now this is basically your foreign films like, you know, uh, Infernal Affairs or The Ring or the Let the Eye, Right One In. Let the Right One In, Funny Games, all those, all those types of films, foreign films, subtitles. A lot of people, Ian, don't like reading subtitles. So even if the film is great, like Infernal Affairs is a great film. Wow. Let the Right One In is a great film, but wow. it automatically rules out quite a lot of people uh, from seeing this film because they just won't they won't read it and a lot of people don't like dubbing so they remake it won't read it or can't read it <sighs> a bit from okay. column A a bit from column C Look. good joke that was good like it um, so the other the other version uh, the other variant on this is um, things that have good merchandising what so you basically what you what? Explain yourself. <laughs> if something's managed to sell uh, lots of stuff outside of the film, but they want to do that again so that they can sell the toys another time or sell the T-shirts okay. another time, that's a, right. that's another. Give me an example. I can't. I can't. He's written it down, but he's got no examples. Sure. The other the other version that I've got down here, the other sort of variant on this is when the original source material hasn't had a good production the first time round. So, like, when right. something's good, but the first version... Like, so, Battle of Britain, for example, was remade a couple of times. I think the first time it was made, it wasn't really all that hot. And then the next time, they kind of took the source material and did something really good with it. 
and I, I think that's the most pure way of making a doing a remake is when they didn't get it right the first time, so give it another go. But you know, obviously, you know it's a bit more risky because you know you've tried once, you failed once, a little bit like Island of Doctor Moreau or something like that. You know, you've you know someone will probably want to remake it because the last one wasn't so great. Although a lot of people would say it's a you know cult bad classic. Um, you know, remaking it might be fruitful because you know that there's a good idea in there somewhere. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about that. So the most M- pu- Moreau Moreau about that. Ugh. So directors who've decided themselves that they think that their film needs to be remade for for artistic reasons. Can you think of any? Can you? Yeah, I've got a couple. So okay. Um, one of one of the ones on this list uh, is basically directors who remade their own films. One of them is because of the language thing, so it's not not purely. That's to do funny with the games. Art. That's funny games. So that's Michael Haneke's funny games in 1997. He made the original Austrian one, uh, Austrian language film, and then he remade it with okay. Naomi Watts and Tim Roth in 2007. Pretty much shot for shot. So there's that one, but that one's not from this sort of uh, bucket of films where the director knows it can be better. So the first one in this list for me is Michael Mann remaking L.A. Takedown as Heat. Heat. Yeah, so he pretty much had the idea before um, and he made it for NBC as a sort of TV movie. And I've seen clips of it, and it does. It pretty much looks like the most stylish B movie of all time. Kind of yeah. looks like a sort of John Woo film with like lots of very cool shots that have been well considered and like storyboarded out and stuff. But you could still just tell it was made on a low budget. Like it was kind yeah. of not okay. so great. Uh, and then he's remade that as Heat, which is much better known. Yeah, uh, which I think is I mean, for the I've right. heard of it. You'd heard of it. Yeah, I've seen it. What, LA Takedown? Uh, heat. I've seen Heat, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Every, everyone's heard of Heat because it's got Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in it together. In a coffee shop. Yeah, not doing much. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's that one. And then Alfred Hitchcock did the same thing with The Man Who Knew Too Much. So he originally filmed it in 1934. Okay. And then years later, in uh, 1956, he did the same again. So uh, he basically says about this, let's say the first version of the work uh, was from a talented amateur and the second was made by a professional. You could say the uh, the first one was made by a man who didn't know enough. And then it was made by a man who knew too much. Mm-hmm. Very good. Okay, so let's get into the meat of this, Ollie. What's your, what are some of your... Uh, best remakes what's your best remake now I think these two are slightly unfair because I'm gonna go ahead and say that I've not seen the originals <laughs> okay but I think that's I think that's fair but um, The Thing and The Fly um, I know we've spoken about these a fair bit but the the original The Thing uh, was from 1951 and it was actually called The Thing from Another World yes <laughs> let me tell you this uh, so it's IMDB Dan- stuff yeah <laughs> uh, it was also known in Denmark as <laughs> The Horrible Outside this is my favourite film which happens to be a remake I've not seen the original but I've got some IMDB stuff on it yeah I mean every everybody knows the uh, thing <laughs> a crew in Antarctica find a neighbouring camp destroyed and its crew dead Whatever killed them is nowhere to be found, unless it's hidden in plain sight. But I think that this one, you know, there's a, there was a run of films in the 80s where they were remaking these sort of old classic horror films, mm-hmm. but making them hella gory. Yes. Uh, so that would be The Thing, The Fly and The Blob. And I know we've spoken about all of these ones, but this one is actually John Carpenter's personal favourite of his and and you obviously thought at home that it was Ghosts of Mars, but you're wrong. It's it's the thing. <laughs> yeah, Ghosts of Mars, Jesus. This film, this uh, the thing, is considered a benchmark in the field of special effects makeup. These effects were created by Rob Bottin, who was only 22 at the time. What his did birthday, Rob Bottin go on to do? Listen, his birthday 
was on April the 1st. No joke. <laughs> but, I mean, what were you doing when you were 22? Um, I was working at Codemasters as an associate same, producer. Yeah. yeah, same. So, you know, we're probably as good as Rob Bottin. Yeah, I mean, I was I was actually on a some sort of trip promoting a game. So not doing anything useful, just talking shit about Satine. Okay. I've got another interesting thing here. There's a lot of fans of the thing, including myself, but none more than Todd Cameron and Steve Crawford. So in 2003, they went to the actual place where they filmed the thing in, in a place called Stewart in British Columbia. And basically 21 years later, after it was filmed, they found remains of Outpost 31 and the helicopter. And it says here... That's, that's pretty cool. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. The, the rotor blade from the chopper now belongs to Todd and rests in his collection of memorabilia from the film. <laughs> now, my question is, did Todd eat Steve? Mm. And why did he, why did Todd get the, get the chopper blade and not Steve? Interesting. I mean, mm. you like the thing a lot more than I do, so I'd, I'd, I'd leave that with you to answer. Okay. Okay, and I have, I've just got one, I've got one fact from the 1951, The Thing, and that is that it was the first ever full body burn effect on screen. Oh, that's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. Cool. So uh, that's so, so that that basically thing? means somebody put like a hot suit like one of those heat proof suits on and then ran about for a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. It's pretty cool. Why if the thing is one of your favorite films, have you never taken it upon yourself to go back and look at the source material? Why did you not watch the original? I've watched a lot of it on YouTube, but it's a completely different thing. Um <laughs> and even even the actor James Arness who who played the thing says that he looks like a giant carrot in it um, okay. and he was so embarrassed by his performance that he didn't turn up to the premiere uh, I don't know it just it's, it's a completely different film it's a com- it might be great but it's a completely different film okay. and and I guess that is why sometimes remakes are good because they take the source material and they make it their own okay well fair enough Okay, um, can you remember? Oh, you can move on to yours after this. Um, can you remember the 1986 tagline to the fly? Yes. Uh, oh, be afraid. Be very afraid. Yeah. Okay. And so that line was invented by Mel Brooks, okay. and that was his direction to how the characters should react to the early stages of Seth Brindle's transformation. That's pretty cool. From the original, though, not the remake. That's from the remake, yeah. Oh, the remake. Uh, but the original, 1958, has got some absolutely incredible taglines. I'm just going to read you them now. Because you don't know the film, but you'll read as the taglines. Okay. Listen. Okay. If she looked upon the horror her husband had become, she would scream for the rest of her life. <laughs> okay, pretty good. Send her to space. Yep. She had to kill the thing her husband had become. But could she? (laughs) Okay. Once it was human, even as you and I. And it says here simply, $100 if you can prove it can't happen. Okay. (laughs) All a bit left field, so that they really tried to fix (laughs) that with the one from the the late 70s. Was it late 70s? Uh, 1986. 1986. Pretty okay. good. So what's your what's your faves? I have one fave, and then the rest I kind of didn't follow up on, because, like, for example, Scarface is a good one, but I've never seen the original, so I didn't want to say that. Yeah. Um, I kind of know of it, but I've only seen little sort of quick snippets of it. So the one I've gone for, I've seen all three versions that I know about this. It's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Okay. Um, so the original one was from 1956. The official synopsis on this: A small town doctor learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionless alien duplicates. What? Um, so that was directed by Don Siegel. Who's Steven Seagal's dad? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I actually really quite you heard like it here first. 
I quite like the original, and I actually think that um, it's a it's a cool comparison with the one that you brought up actually, because the effects in the original from '56 actually hold up for Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And when I say hold up, like you know, it's obviously from 1956, but I don't think they look that bad. So okay. all all the aliens come out of these sort of um, pods that are a little bit like what um, like a butterfly comes out of, you know, when they yeah. are in a chrysalis or whatever it is, and then yeah. they pop out and they're caterpillar so <laughs> wow i mean you know it's not the guys on you know biology podcast but guys it could on be biometamorphosis podcast yeah but it could be <laughs> it should be yeah um okay but i just really like the um the donald sutherland one and i think it's like you say it amps up some of the gore it yeah. amps up some of the um full-on over-the-top violent aspects of it it's also got jeff goldblum in it another connection to your suggestion so it's also got veronica cartwright who's in uh alien so yeah. you know it's, it's full, of, full of big names here leonard nimoy okay so and actually don siegel the original director has a cameo in it as a taxi driver which is pretty cool um so here's some parents guide about this one <laughs> okay i think you You'll like these. I'll be the judge of that. Because <laughs> there's a lot of clone-based stuff in it. A clone of... <laughs> a clone appears nude twice. <laughs> I mean, how would you know? Exactly. Her breasts are exposed. Um, a man emerges from a mud bath. His mud-covered buttocks are briefly visible. That's all the sex and nudity you're going to get. I mean, it's uh, definitely mud, right? I mean, it is near his buttocks. Exactly. You'll never know. A woman dies and her body is shown shriveling apart. What? <laughs> what? I mean, shriveling really, you know, uh, speaks of contracting and going in of oneself, not away. Just falls to bits. Um, that's pretty much it for it. But I, I like it because Donald Sutherland's character, um, in the original, there's a sort of paranoia about what's going on. And um, the main the the main character who's um, who's basically the the only one who can see what's happening, um, so sort of like calling out that like there's something amiss here and these people are not acting the way they usually do. Um, mm-hmm. He is pretty paranoid in it and he's going crazy and the police are like holding him back. He's like, "Oi, mate, fucking hold me back, yeah." And he does go crazy and his hair gets all ruffled and stuff. But I feel like yeah. Donald Sutherland's version of that is even more like maniacal and like he's on yeah. the edge. He's a man possessed by the whole thing. And um, okay. he goes to depths before everything kind of reveals itself and everyone starts believing him. There is one okay. other version of this, which is a remake of the remake. Um, yeah. That one stars, I think it's Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, I thought that one was alright, but I'm pretty set that the '78 one's the best one. Okay, that's my. Did favorite. you know that? Did you know that True Lies was a remake? I read that, but I yeah. I hadn't re- investigated it further. Do you know the details on that? Yeah, so it's a French film called La Totale. Okay. Okay, so that's yeah, it's a remake, but I'm. That one doesn't include the cool jokes that James Cameron added to it. Exactly, yeah. The cool jokes that that Jim Cameron put in there uh, and the big action set pieces, it's going to be a lot higher budget. Now, Nicolas Cage has done quite a few remakes as well. He he did (laughs) The Wicker Man, which is... uh, But another terrible one is Bangkok Dangerous, which is uh, by the Pang Brothers. And it's a very good film, but Nicolas Cage version is an absolute stinker. Okay. Uh, so there was a lot of. I've never the, seen you know, it. Yeah. Okay. So there's a, a lot of uh, Japanese and uh, French horror films being remade, uh, like The Eye, um, and Martyrs and Inside, which are both French and they're fully brutal films. I mean, they're they're hard watches, but they both got massively watered down American versions that you should. Okay avoid and instead go and watch the you know much superior french originals tougher originals okay um do you have any worsts to call out worst remakes besides (sighs) the stuff that you're talking about with nicholas cage 
I really didn't like the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. I thought it was it was it was bad, um, okay. and I hated. Even though it was a, a prequel, I hated the Thing remake with is it Joel Egerton? I think he was in it. It was just bad. CG that. effects, cinematography was was great, and the designs were all fine, but the CG was just a nightmare. Yeah, and I don't think you can remake a film which is has got some of the best, well, or the best practical effects of all time, wow. and then just do like a a crappy CG job on it. Well, um, here's the thing. So this is kind of um, moving swi- swiftly into what what should never be touched and why remakes are actually. Okay. Um, why they're controversial in the first place so the thing is obviously something that you like a lot so you can hear from what you're saying about the remake that you're against it and I'm pretty sure there'll be people out there who've seen the remake they've not seen the original and they probably thought oh that was pretty good Yeah. now that's fair I suppose but that whole thing does come back to that nostalgia thing from uh, Ready Player One and why people kind of bank on things and kind of use them for making money and whatnot and it, it all kind of comes into the same conversation of things that people remember from before are precious to them so you can't just stick them on screen in a cynical way and get away with it it's gonna it's definitely gonna annoy some portion of the audience right mm-hmm. so what are some of the films that you wouldn't want to be remade well here's an interesting one so we went to see brian blessed the other week so he did his i guess it was an evening with brian blessed and he was talking a lot about Flash Gordon and just off the cuff he said it should never be remade they should never remake that film because it was just magic (laughs) Um, and I think they are trying to remake it I think Matthew Vaughan who did The Kingsman is trying to remake it Um, but but stopped when he saw Guardians of the Galaxy because it was basically his remake of of that yeah I don't know I mean I've got a lot of favourite films. I think Jaws, Die Hard, you know, real classics, real... San Andreas, don't remake it as perfect as it is. That sort of stuff. Okay. Um, Some of mine are the original Terminator and the original Alien. Yeah. uh, Which I feel they potentially would because those are cash cows and that's why they made so many sequels for them. Um, But are they sacred cows? Join us next week on Cow Chat. Okay. Or, or um, the co I mean, I've, I've got a list. I've uh, got a list here of films that they are remaking. I'm just going to run through them, and you can you can shit them in the bin or green light them. Okay. And then we've got we've got to end because we're running over. Okay. okay? Little Little Shop of Horrors. Fine. The Fly. Mm. No, because they'll they'll do it with CG. Okay. Flash Gordon. Yeah, I suppose so. Pet Cemetery. Mm, yeah, I think that's okay. And I'm sure Stephen King wouldn't give a shit. Okay. Highlander. Mm, yeah. Why not? Okay. Rabid? Um, the Cronenberg film. Yeah, I've heard about this one being remade. I'm interested to see what it's like. I would have preferred to just left it alone, but the original did have a lot of kind of B movie, low budget flaws, so why not try? Okay, and finally, The Crow. Yeah, do it. <sighs> okay, fine. I'm quite up for those. The one that I don't want to get done is Suspiria, which they've already done, and it's going to come out at the end of this year, I think. And it's got Chloe Grace okay. Moretz in it. And that was the Dario Argento film that I've been on about a bunch of times. Um, but okay, they just well, shouldn't only do that. scored three out of eight in that section. How did you do at home? <laughs> I mean, oh, well done. You did better than Ian. <laughs> I mean, if it's guessing what Ollie's opinion is, then yeah, I might have got three out of eight. But I think I'm, okay. I think I'm completely right. Um, the one that I dislike the most probably is Robocop. Not because it's that offensive a film, but it's it's source material, the original, and the design of it, they've only made worse. Yeah, fair. Um, so I'm a bit sad about that one. But anyway, cool. I think we're done here. We are. 
We're fully done. Okay, so if you would like to get in touch with us, you can go to facebook.com forward slash guys on film and let us know what you thought about this podcast. Um, you can let us know which remakes you want to see get remade and which ones you don't think they should ever touch, or which ones you think have just done already that are that are good. Goodings. Um, and also we're on Twitter and Instagram at GOF Podcast. And keep your eye out for a survey that we'll be sending soon. I want to hear yeah. your thoughts about the cast pod chat cast okay I think that's about it for all the plugging stuff you got anything else to yeah. plug <laughs> uh, I mean we did say that we were going to try and keep this episode family friendly so bye yeah about the lubin <laughs> you jacked yeah. ass is lubin you up bye <laughs> bye Oh, it's pretty good uh, callback right at the end there. Huge access. <laughs> <laughs>